Hello and welcome to Pickleball Therapy, the podcast dedicated to your pickleball improvement. Hope you're having a great week. In this week's podcast, we're going to be talking about a subject that's really important, but often overlooked. What we're going to be talking about is how to process information that you're receiving as a pickleball player. If you listen to the podcast, then you're a player who's intent on improving. You have a, a, a desire to grow in the game, to learn more, to understand more about pickleball, and just to be a, a more well-rounded player. If that's the case, then in order to do so, you need to receive information as part of that process. But what happens sometimes when we receive information is we don't have a framework or we don't filter it properly. And so sometimes the information gets uh, lost or, or we misapply it and it ends up in us either uh, being hurt by that information or just not getting the benefit from the information. So that's what we're going to talk about in today's podcast. And in the riff, I'm going to share with you my thoughts on the latest uh, rules update that's been announced by the USA Pickleball uh, Rules Committee and the board and share our thoughts about what it means to have those rule chains come into effect. See you inside the podcast. It's that time of year again. Time to shake off court confusion and refocus our pickleball games. If you're already part of the We Are Pickleball community and subscribe to our newsletter, don't you worry, you'll get your invitation through the email. If you're not yet subscribed to our newsletter, make sure you do so. Reserve your front row seat to our Fall 2022 Pickleball Workshop. As always, there's no cost to attend our three-part workshop. If you don't already subscribe to the We Are Pickleball newsletter, I'll give you a link below so you can make sure and get that done. Join us at the workshop to learn the strategies and priorities that will help you continue to improve your game. We'll see you there. As I mentioned in the introduction, if you're a player who's interested in improving your game, improving your play, or just your understanding of pickleball, then you're going to be receiving information as part of that process. That's how it's done, right? You receive information, you process it, hopefully bring it into your game or your understanding of the game, and you grow as a player. What happens, though, is a lot of times, or not a lot of times, but enough times, we receive information and we don't have a, a framework or a filtration system to process that information in a way that's most helpful to us in our games. And that came to light recently uh, for us, for CJ and myself, because we, we've done a series recently about spins. We've written a blog and, and some videos about spinning the ball. And let me just tell you in broad terms what it was that we said and then tell you what it was based on the feedback we got from several players, what players were hearing. So what we were saying is are the following. Spins are definitely a part of the game, right? The, the you know, you, if, if you're uh, spinning, and right now you're spinning the ball. So spins are a part of the game and you're currently spinning the ball. No matter whether you're trying to do it or not, when you hit the ball, it imparts a certain amount of spin on the ball. That's just physics. But what we're saying is, that focusing on spins, and more specifically, that extra spin, right? Trying to give it that extra top spin or extra uh, underspin can prove a distraction. And it also increases the chance for errors. That's what we said. What, what the last couple of things that I mentioned about the distraction and trying to add spin, <clears throat> increasing the chance of errors right now, is a couple of things that you should take away from that. One add spins when you're ready for them, right? There are other parts of the game that you probably need to focus on or, or probably should focus on if you want to improve. And spins will be there when you need them. We said specifically in the video, shelf spins until you're ready for them. And then you need to think about whether the advantage of adding that spin to your game is worth the chance, the additional chance for errors that you'll be in, introducing to your game. 
So here's based on the feedback we got what, what several players apparently heard from this lesson. One, spins are bad. Like we were saying, spins are not a good thing, which is nonsense. If you've seen any of the video of me playing, which I've used in several of the game breakdowns, I spin the ball. <laughs> I'm a, I played tennis for 40 years. I know how to spin the ball. So I spin the ball. It's not a problem about spinning the ball. And in fact, in the video series, we show how to properly spin the ball. That's your desire. Players also heard, do not add spins to your game. That's not what we said. What we were saying is maybe it's not a priority to add spins to your game right now. And that you have to understand there's a trade-off to adding spins to your game. There's a, there's a, a negative, if you will, or a, a cost to doing so. And just generally that we were like anti-spin, which we are not. So we thought it'd be helpful to provide a framework to guide you as you receive new information in your quest to improve or to grow as a player so you can properly apply it to your game. Let's talk about some of the air, some of the filters that you can apply whenever you're receiving information from CJ or myself. Number one, we're almost always going to recommend keeping things simple. Whether in pickleball or life, as we like to say, you know, the simple does a trick. Keeping it simple is generally speaking going to give you the best results. We operate from the premise, as I mentioned earlier, that you are interested in playing your best pickleball. In other words, we are going to give you what you need in order to play your best pickleball. We are not trying to scratch an itch you may have to, let's say, you know, learn how to do an ATP or something like that. There's nothing wrong with that. If that makes you happy and smile, do it, you know, by all means. But that's not something that's going to help you play your best pickleball. So we operate from the premise that we're helping you become the best pickleball version of yourself. We also operate from the premise that success in pickleball, and again, like in life, is comes from not making as many errors. Pickleball is an error game, and so if we can reduce errors, you're going to play better pickleball. We are driven by probabilities and the big picture of the game. We're not looking for outlier shots. We're not looking for you know, the one-off sort of shots. We're trying to give you big picture uh, big picture parts of the game or big picture approaches to the game that will give you the highest results if you implement those into your game. And we don't offer clickbaity kind of tips, right? So we're not trying to give you like this silver bullet, like learn this one shot and you'll be an amazing player. We try and give you sound advice. A lot of times that sound advice may sound boring or quote unquote simple or vanilla, but if your objective, which we mentioned earlier, is to become the best pickleball player version of yourself, a lot of times it is that plain or simple or vanilla that will get you there. Now, one last thing about how CJ and I teach, we try and share with you the why of the thing. Sometimes we hear, uh, you know, no, not our community so much, but players who come in and see some of our stuff that we talk too much. Yeah, maybe. But that's because we're trying to explain to you the things in the way that we understand them. That way it's more meaningful. That way you can build your understanding, your knowledge of the game. And we like to think of maybe one day, you know, one of our students coming back and teaching us. That'd be awesome. So we're trying to teach you the why of the thing so that it has more meaning. So, you know, when we talked about spins, for instance, and the effect of spins and things like that, we did it based on the framework I just described. The, you know, trying to improve as a player, keeping things simple, reducing errors and things like that. That is what drives the way that we teach. So when you receive our information, that's what you are, that's what you can filter it through. And in that case, 
that could have been deemed negative pickleball instruction, right? It's teaching, it's suggesting something you should not do. But a lot of times what we're saying to you is not this is bad, don't ever do it. What we're saying is it's here are the here are the reasons why you should consider either not doing it now, you know, waiting till later, or sometimes it's not doing it. For instance, the Ernie. Uh, you know, we know players who have injured themselves trying to learn the Ernie. The Ernie is a uh, really a throwaway shot for most players. If you're listening to this and you're you know 22 years old or 21 years old and you're very athletic, uh, you know, and you want to jump over the the kitchen with the Ernie, knock yourself out. You know, do it. Great. But for most of us, most of you listening to this uh, podcast, the Ernie is simply not something you should spend any time working on ever, probably, unless you're already, you know, senior pro player or super senior pro player and you want to do the Ernie, fine, but be careful with injury. So that's like a negative type of instruction. There's also positive type of instruction, which is you'll hear out there things like you need this shot. This shot will save your life, things like that, right? You need to think about what's the cost benefit of adding that shot. It, there's two things to that. One is how much work is it going to require, right? And that's going to take you away from other work. That's probably more productive. And I'm going to get to that in a second in more detail. But it also has the chance of increasing errors. Spins is a particular area that we talk about because what we've seen is we've seen a lot of players who are making progress in their game adopt spins. In other words, say, okay, now it's a time for spins. And what you see is you see a regression in their game. And what's happening is they have not yet sufficiently mastered the underlying fundamental shot to then move on to spins. And so now their shot, their mechanics are destroyed because they're trying to do something that, and they're doing it incorrectly as well, which is another problem, but they're trying to add something to, to their game that they think is going to improve their game significantly. And it simply is not. And so it creates a sense of frustration in those players uh, and frankly, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of those players who who have gone down that path just put their paddle down because of the frustration of now playing that much worse than they did before, and that's why we uh, are so uh, we sound the warning the warning uh, uh, alarms about spin so often. So let's talk about a specific situation, right? So let's talk about uh, a situation where you're going to pick what you're going to work on next. And let's assume that you're a player that have either no or maybe some limited prior racket sports experience, okay? And the and now you, you've been playing pickleball for a little bit, but you don't really have a background again. When you, Before pickleball, you didn't play any real, uh, not heavy uh, racket sports before. And you've been playing pickleball for a little bit, and now you feel stuck. And what do you hear? Spins. Spins are going to get you out of that and, and, and are going to ex- expand your game. We're going to get you going. More likely than not, there's probably something more simple that you can do right now for your game that will greatly improve your results on the court and get you out of that rut you're in. And what I'm going to compare are two, two things. I'm going to compare adding spins to adding something as good, simple in quotes, simple and basic as a deep return of surf. And I'm not talking about once in a while. I'm talking about, let's say, 80% of the time, 85% of the time, hitting your return of serve within three or four feet of the baseline. Okay, that's your objective as the quote-unquote simple thing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to suggest to you, and I'm going to use a scale of 100 to give you relative, um, relative importance. 
the adding spins to your game, and I'm talking about mastering spins, might give you a 15, one five, 15 out of 100 benefit. I would suggest to you that hitting consistently deep returns of serve will give most of you listening to this podcast a benefit of 90, 90 out of 100. Not all of you. Listen, if you're a 4-5 player or a 5-0 player and you're hitting deep returns of serve, that's great. You want them for their own good. But the players you're playing against have really good third shots and are probably not going to be daunted by that deep return of serve. If you're playing 3-0, 3-5, even I would suggest 4-0, hitting that deep return of serve every single time is going to radically alter every single rally that you play and it'll have that kind of effect. Okay? So we have a 15-1-5 versus a 9-0 in terms of benefit. Now let's talk about the effort of both of these, of, of mastering both of these, right? Or each of these. So unless you already come to the game knowing how to spin the ball, I would suggest that spinning's probably, uh, I'd previously said 60 out of 100 in the blog that we wrote on this, and I'll, I'll link to that below if you can read the blog more fully if you want to. It might be higher. It might be 80, to, 80 out of 100, depending on your propensity for this type of thing and your background. But re- relatively speaking, consistently returning the ball deep is probably 10 or 10 to 20 out of 100 in effort. So now you're thinking about, I have a shot that gives me a 90 out of 100 benefit and it's a 10 to 20 out of 100 in effort versus a shot that's going to give me a 15 out of 100 benefit and it's a 60, 70, 80 out of 100 effort. I mean, I think it'd be pretty obvious that you would pick the return of serve, the higher benefit versus effort, as opposed to adding this other shot that's going to give you a lower benefit with more effort. And that doesn't even take into account the additional cost of the shot in terms of errors. You need to return serve, right? There's no option. You have to return serve when you're playing. There's no choice as to whether you're going to return serve or not. So mastering this shot is already consistent with what you're doing. Spins are not a requirement to play pickleball. You don't have to have the spin in order to hit the shot. So you're adding a shot that's a ancillary uh, ancillary sort of effect, right? Ancillary concept into your game, adding the cost of additional errors in your game. Now, all of that said, if spins are something that you just want to do, you know, we were in, we, we happen to be traveling right now and we were watching some players yesterday in some rec game uh, where, we're at, where we're traveling in Bologna and these players love spinning the ball. I mean, they just, they spin and spin and counter spin and spin and it's, you know, it's a spin fest. Um, they seem to be happy doing it. So good for them, right? That's great. Now I can tell you, they made a truckload of errors with those spins. Balls in the net, balls flying side, you know, out wide. I mean, just a mess, right? From a from a functional pickleball standpoint, not very effective. But they were enjoying themselves. If spins make you happy, please, by all means, spin away, learn spins, do your thing. If, however, your objective is to improve as a pickleball player, to play your best pickleball, spins for the vast majority of you listening are not the right thing to focus on. And in fact, I'm not sure it may ever be a thing to focus on outside of the natural spin that occurs regularly in any event. So hopefully this filtering idea, right, this idea that you can frame the information you're receiving will help you as you continue to get bombarded 
with uh, information. Uh, you know, the, the level of noise in pickleball is only going to go up. Uh, the number of videos, the number of podcasts, the number of everything uh, is just going to increase. And so your ability to be uh, a good gatekeeper of the information that you let in and the information that you block out is going to become even more and more important. And hopefully the this podcast or the, the lessons in this podcast will help you. And also, if you want to check out the blog, I'll link to it below. You can check that as well. Keep that in mind as you receive information, whether from us or anybody else, in terms of your pickleball so that you can safeguard your pickleball journey and uh, you know continue along the path to your improvement. All right, in the riff, we're going to talk about the spin serve and what's going on with the spin serve and the new rules announced for 2023. Stay tuned for the riff. Most pickleball players spend a lot of time thinking about and comparing pickleball paddles. But you know what's more important than a pickleball paddle? Your shoes. Are you wearing the right kind of shoes to play pickleball in? If you're not sure, consider trying out shoes that are designed and made specifically for pickleball. Tyrol shoes are the shoes that CJ and I both wear out on the pickleball court. Remove any doubt about whether the shoes you're wearing are right for pickleball. Check out Tyrol shoes, I'll put a link in the show notes. Protect your most valuable asset out there, your body, with the right shoes. Wear the right shoes, and play longer on the court. Uh, let's talk about the latest rules proposal uh, adopted by, looks like it's been adopted by the board and the rules committee. And it has to do with eliminating the spin serve. And so its existing rule is 4.a.5 called the volley serve. And the drop serve will have the same basic kind of um, the same kind of language, although I'm not frankly not sure why it's required because the drop serve would never make sense to spin it before you drop it because I would interact with the court, but that's a conversation for another day. The language that's been added is the following. The server shall not impart manipulation or spin on the release of the ball immediately prior to the serve. If the receiver determines that manipulation or spin has been imparted, or the release of the ball is not visible, this has to do with the visibility that's already in there, the receiver shall call for a reserve immediately after the serve occurs. I, you know, we've already made our position clear on the spin serve, and I'll link to that blog below. You can check that out if you want to. We did not believe that the spin serve, and by spin serve, we're talking about the pre-spun serve, to be clear. This goes back to the filtering of information. We got some pushback players saying we didn't like spinning the serve. It has nothing to do with spinning the serve. It has to do with pre-spinning the ball before you serve it, which is a different thing. And that's what this rule is, is trying to address. So in terms of the pre-spun serve, we were always against it and we were clear about that. And we articulated our reasons, some of which were why the rules committee adopted this uh, rules change to begin with. So we agree with those. Um, and my concern with reading the rules change or the proposed rule change is its enforcement. Uh, you know, we already have enough conversations or discussions or arguments going on in the local courts about how serves are perceived legally, legal, things like that. Now we've added another layer of potential complexity to that, which is, hey, it looked to me like you might have spun that ball before you hit it. So I need you to reserve the ball. I just not a big fan of those types of solutions to um, to the issue. The issue being a real one, which you know, the pre-spun serve 
was something that we thought should be done away with. An easier solution would have been to uh, just make the drop serve the serve. Because as I mentioned earlier, the it just I'm not going to get into it here, but it doesn't make sense to pre-spin the ball on a drop serve because you lose the effect of the spin anyway. The ball spins away from you, so you would have a neutral drop, and then the ball coming off the court would be neutral, and then you would just hit it. Um, so maybe they'll go to that next time. I don't know. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, again, applaud the the um, the banning of the pre-spun ball. Not a big fan of the enforcement mechanism in non-refereed matches with the idea that there's going to be basically a do-over based on the receiver's perception from, I'm doing the math, of 40, 47 feet away. Um, I don't know. Just not a, not a, I don't think that that's workable, but we'll see how that goes. Anyway, so that's, uh, hopefully you enjoyed this week's podcast. Uh, we'll see how this rule thing plays out. I hope you have a great week. And uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, please uh, rate it and review it. We really appreciate that. Share it with your friends. You know, if you enjoy the podcast, chances are, not 100%, chances are, they probably will too. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.